This week on Erotic Awakening, Bedded Bliss, a couple's guide to lust ever after. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about keeping it alive. So in the 40s, though the person we're talking to... The 1940s? No, in our age bracket. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now the person that I interviewed and we're talking to is Christina Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and her book, Bedded Bliss, is pretty much focused on the monogamous couple so but she still has some great ideas that can work for everybody and we've got a lot of monogamous listeners so there you go it'll go over very well Uh, we seem to rely on when we need to spice up our life we pull in some slut we do or uh, do interested female partner interested female partner exactly exactly and And in our circles (laughs) for those that are listening going whoa he called her a what Uh, in our circle (laughs) slut is a term of endearment so don't be flipped out absolutely but one of the things that christina wright covers um that that i i really um liked her wording on or her thoughts about was if you look at the media who is it having the sex Young it's people. the young people. Oh, sure, so, sure. so people get to their 40s and they think they have to dry up, but that's just not the case. I mean, you were just getting started. I absolutely, <laughs> you know, I actually will admit that I have that thought as well. I'm mm-hmm. curious, you know, hey, at what point is sex no longer going to be a driver for me? Mm-hmm. And I try to remember uh, two stories. One of them, uh, a good friend of mine and one time mentor, when he was 50, shot a porn in his house. Oh, yeah. So 50 is not the end of the story. 50 is not the end. And we know a vendor. We know a vendor who sells rope that just turned 80. We do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we see him the in the dungeon, dungeon quite yep. often. Yep. I also plan, at, when I turn 50, I expect you to line up five women for me. That's only a couple of years away. I know. And you I get planning. All I, ha- I don't think it's going to take much planning. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, before we get into our discussion with uh, Christina Wright, uh, or your discussion with her, because mm-hmm. you were flying solo on that one, uh, we do have a little bit of business before that. Uh, by the way, you, what you do not know is that I went old school with the intro to the podcast. Oh no, did you? Yes. You can't hear it because I haven't edited it in yet, but uh, earlier I got a, a FET mail from a guy named Tony. He's a new listener. He started with episode one, and thanks to him, well, since he started with episode one, I thought I'd go <laughs> old school with the intro, and nice. I don't think this is a super old school, uh, but it is, as in that it has some level of quality, but it, um, our, our older music, more familiar to our listeners. I have to admit, so some time ago, it was a good 10 episodes ago at this point, uh, we had John the trucker, and I think his name was John, and he's a trucker. He said, you know, uh, hey, love the show. Uh, I pass through Columbus on occasion. Hope to see you guys. By the way, don't really like the new intro music. I think he said he hated the intro music. I might have <laughs> added hates for him. But ever since then, I have become less enthusiastic about the new intro music. Funny how that works. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? Where you're so easily swayed by our a single listener, for that matter. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm sure that Shamwa will say, oh, I love the music, and she recommended Incredibox, mm-hmm. and we'll be back. Yeah, this is fantastic. Best I music ever. I catch myself humming it and going, do, 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 just walking around the house. <laughs> it's or while well, you're sucking on my cock, I've heard you hum that. Hum it? Do, yeah. I, do I hum it? Mm, okay, I have to pay attention next time. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, um, so hi, Tony. Welcome. Oh, oh, so the point of that being, Tony's made us a world world traveled podcast oh, yeah? he is currently in Dubois, du- Dubai thank you and over the next couple of weeks we'll be in four other countries and he's listening to the podcast as he goes nice. so that classifies us as world travelers I think I think so okay, though, you better good. watch it when he crosses across the border <laughs> <laughs> it's just a podcast not a big deal but <laughs> some of those countries are less enthusiastic about erotic awakening than others but we certainly get the occasional fan email from those countries where you would not, you know, right. uh, whatever, Turkey or Uzbekistan <laughs> or India or countries where you don't think that, um, well, I don't know why we wouldn't think that about India. We've got, I have no clue. You know, that old Tantra thing. <laughs> Ooh, the Kama Sutra. <laughs> uh, so speaking of, uh, did I just mention Bungie? No, you didn't, but boy, oh, we have well, heard a lot yes, from Bungie. Here's the tie-in why I thought I did, because Tony is not... Oh, hi, Don. How are you? Hi, sir. I've got way so much going on in my little brain this morning. I see that. <laughs> I just got a fet mail from the fellow that's running a brand new podcast, Men Submit. Submit. Okay. He's from Australia. Oh. That's why I was thinking of a bungie tie-in. So here we go, bungie tie-in. Awesome. And the other Tony. Is also from Australia that we have to also have to talk about. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. So thinking of Bungie, <laughs> speaking of Bungie, he's been letting us know what's going on with his uh, and uh, <laughs> and his girls. Yes, so he we've has. been getting some very personal, naughty details. That's kind of nice. So, and he's also still sending um, cartoons, and <laughs> I love this one because I saw the first cartoon as a combination of food on boobs. And tentacle yes, sex. Yes. Because it was a, a, um, an oriental girl mm-hmm. laying across a block of rice with chopsticks. So there's food on boobs or right. boobs on food. Yeah. <laughs> with a little octopus sitting on her ass. Yes. <laughs> it was quite the... <laughs> Neat little picture, but it makes me wonder about the artist. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, And then he also sent us um, a, a bat... Picture of a bat yes. for bat. Penny Girl at um, one of the last Monkey Puzzle Clubs gave me a new octopus. It's a little camouflage octopus, and it's only got five legs. Which denies <laughs> it being an octopus, but please go on. Would you say it was a pentapus? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's only got five legs. And, and oh, Bungie also sent me this picture. You know what? When we get a house, things are going to be so weird. Because I have a feeling that we are going to have Buddha... <laughs> Sitting outside of the gate, and the gate's going to be an octopus. <laughs> so, and then um, uh, Dolly this morning tagged me on Facebook with a pentacle, with a uh, a pentacle, with an octopus statue. It was really cool. Very lots cool. Lots of octopuses. Yes, octopuses, lots of tentacles octopus-y. in your life right now. <laughs> Uh, and if Bungie or anyone else would like to uh, write us more about their sexual escapades, feel free. 
Uh, speaking of ways to keep your relationship <laughs> spicy, exactly. Strangers exactly. and podcast listeners write you about their sexual escapades. Ooh, certainly does the job for I you. I like that. But if you want to send us anything like that, you can do that by writing us at Dan and Dawn at nice. eroticawakening.com. Well <laughs> uh, or you can use the Got Comment form on the webpage, which will give you a link to our Facebook, FetLife, and Twitter. Awesome. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 614-414-2072. All kinds of other ways to contact us as well as, well as where we will be presenting past, past podcast episodes. This episode brought to you by the letter P. Link to the newsletter and other stuff can be found at erotocoawakening.com. Nice. Well, speaking of Bungie, he's getting a lot of airtime this time. Yes. He also sent me a question. He said, friction because he listened to the Friction show. Friction, octopus, or tentacle robot? Which would you prefer, Dawn? And have you asked for one for your birthday? So uh, Friction being the uh, from episode 300, the software that drives sex toys. Right, right. So what is your answer? So Friction, octopus, or tentacle robot? I'm not sure that I understand what the difference would be, but as long as it's... You know what? I'm thinking one would have more than one arm, and the other would just be a tentacle. I want more than one arm. Well, there you go. Whatever, whichever one that one is, I want more than one arm that you can remote control. Hee <laughs> hee. If you would like to go buy a tentacle robot, Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten is your online resource and personal guide to all things sex-related. They offer over 3,000 unique products and have served the sex-positive community for over 10 years. You'll find it all at Smitten Kitten Online, and you'll get a 20% discount when you use the coupon code Dan and Dawn at checkout. And, uh, disclaimer, they do not have sex robots, <laughs> to the best of my knowledge. They might. They have over 3,000 things. Maybe they do. Maybe they do, or maybe they should. So <laughs> Maybe they should. Awesome. So, well, we also have, we have one new subscriber. But it's an important one. But it's an important yes. one. So, St. Alia, sure. Alia, um, from Columbus. So, yay. It's always nice to have a local. Why aren't we having sex with the saint then? I don't if they're know. in Columbus. We, well, because we're kind of busy. Yes, we are stunningly speaking, busy. Speaking of that calendar that's on our website, we've got like 17 events listed for this year. Yes, we do. We keep saying we're going to slow down. One of the events that we can't go to, unfortunately, is, as Dawn, as you know, uh, for our Russian listeners, they can stop by and go check out the Olympics coming up this weekend. Oh, you know really? that the weekend, as a matter of fact, they're like, yeah, this weekend, the Olympics this weekend? are starting. Oh, yes. I don't pay attention. I, I, I have, never mind. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Don has bad memories about past Olympics. I don't know what this is about. <laughs> not familiar with this sexual escapade. But anyway, <clears throat> for those of us in the uh, America, uh, in the South Carolina specifically, they can go to the Kink Olympics. Ooh. Although this was originally started in the Brisbane, Queensland, Australia by the Natural Born Kingster, a longtime podcast fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the first of many international Kink Olympic events. The warehouse in South Carolina is hosting the Winter Games 2014 on February 15th. They sh- you should go. That's like- the Kink Olympics Origin Games will be had, held on December, or I'm sorry, September 27th, 2014, at the Reformatory in Brisbane. So if you're in South Carolina, you can go to the Winter Olympics. If you're in Brisbane, you can go to the Spring Games. 
uh, origin games. Uh, and of course, pretty neat. The Kinkalupic Torch will be traveling around. Um, <clears throat> That's so cool. All kinds of cool stuff. It's going to be, uh, we'd love to see the uh, Olympic Torch travel around the USD before it comes home. So if we could get a hold of whoever it is in South Carolina who has the Olympic Torch, we could take it to 17 places in the United States and Canada before it heads home. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly fun. what a kink Olympics is, except for it sounds kinky and Olympic-ish. You can find out by just doing a, a search for kink Olympics on the FET Life. And I will put a link up to the person who is the South Carolina host as well. Nice. So Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. This weekend is Winter Wickedness. Suitcases are almost packed. <laughs> so, And they also have more things coming up. They have the April Fool's Party at the end of March here in Columbus, Ohio. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. And finally, before we get into our interview, I want to say a big shout out and thank you to Sham Wow and Mr. T. Uh, Sham Wow sent us over a happy 300th episode. Did you actually, at first when you look at it, it looks like light bulbs. But if you yeah. look closer, did you look closer? I did not look closer. Each one of those little light bulb looking things is uh-huh. actually a titty. <gasps> oh, that'd be so much fun. I and have the to go funny pull thing is, she sent over, uh, she's hooking me up on my food on boobs perv kink and she sent me some enchiladas on her breast nice the funny thing is it's very different you and i are currently on some kind of a weird 12-week weight loss challenge thingamajigger Mm -hmm. so um i am dieting for the second time in my life (laughs) and it's funny when you get a picture on of enchiladas on boobs when you're on a diet you look at the enchiladas first Oh, wasn't yeah. aware if you knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I am aware, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have another thing that I want to make sure that we cover, because I think it's a great idea. Right we now, also... Christine is listening, going, I don't remember any of this in my interview. <laughs> well, the other thing that we had come in was someone wanting to do oh, yeah. a, um, a survey. So, And it is a BDSM marital satisfaction study. So and I really like it. I took I took the um, as did I took the uh, survey and I really had to write her back because I've had training on survey writing and usually when I get surveys it's like oh well, this isn't worded right or oh this isn't going to get the information that they need or something like that and you know I took that survey going oh I really like this mm-hmm. oh I like how the questions are laid out it's short it's to the point. And it's easy to take. So, yeah, we both took it. And I think we're going to post the link on our podcast notes. Absolutely. So, because she was, she's having a hard time getting people that are not local to take the sure, survey. Sure. And she needs a wide, wide range. I, so, I totally agree. It was a very neat survey. And it was neat that some of the... Uh, there's one answer that sticks out in my head. Do you and your partner <laughs> ever work on projects together? Like, never, once a month, once a week. And we had to check, like... There was a once a day yes. or multiple times a day. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. checked. I probably shouldn't give my survey answer away, but most people can no, guess. No, that's absolutely us. We are always <laughs> working on projects together. You should see this stack of stuff. We absolutely need a project slave that just, oh, I love doing PowerPoint and project work. <sighs> so take my job. You have plenty of other jobs. <laughs> So, Dawn, you spoke to Christina Wright, the author of Bedded Bliss. You know, when I, I first did. picked up this book, I was thinking um, that 
It's funny that the forward is by our, our friends Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, Johnson. because I interviewed them the, a couple days later. But it was very neat to see. And it kind of reminds me of our book, uh, Sex, Sex Stories, Stories and Power, Power Exchange, Exchange mm-hmm. except for the, the focus is somewhat different. But the format idea seems to be somewhat the same. I'm sharing mm-hmm. information. I'm sharing some stories to incorporate that information. Indeed. So, and it really does work like that. Except hers has a hers is very monogamous. It is written for the monogamous couple, mm-hmm. where ours is more about slut play. So, yeah. but um, it was a great conversation that I had with her. And one of the things that she brought up, she brought up a couple of great things. But one of them is Dan. When you look at the media, who's having the sex? Cute. 20-somethings. Yeah, yeah, if even. I mean, I, I, if I looked at the media, I shouldn't be having sex right now because I'm in my 40s. Right, right. I should be dried up and, and taking care of the grandkids. And <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty picture. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what they portray, yeah. you know, so for the most part. And it's just not true. So her book goes over how to keep things alive in the marriage, when there's kids in the house, when... A new thing, well, I don't know that it's a new thing that people are dealing with, but you hear of it more and more when the parents move back home. You know, what do you do? Mm. So she's got tips and tricks of how to keep things alive. I mean, we just spoke to somebody recently and we're like, well, what happened to your marriage? Well, the kids came along and we didn't pay enough attention to our relationship, you know, and it just happened. So uh, uh, people aren't given tools about how to keep the marriage alive and going so that's exactly what she's created here and like i said it's not just writing it's also tips and tricks so she's got something that i really liked (laughs) and it's about keeping a memory jar Mm -hmm. so and as you have good times oh the dog's driving me crazy (laughs) as you have good times with this with uh, a sexual i'm assuming you write these down on a, a slip of paper and put them in the jar Right, And then later when things are kind of like not going well and, and you're like, oh, why are we doing this? You go into the jar and you pull out the slip of paper hmm. and it has a memory on it. Neat. See, I wish we'd done that since the beginning. Well, we did. It's called Sex Stories and Power Exchange. <laughs> that book oh, that we wrote. Right. All right. Let's see what Christina has to say. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome Christina right on to the Erotic Awakening podcast. So we have found an author with a, this is a beautiful cover on this book, called Bedded Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Lust Ever After. So, and I noticed your foreword was by Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. Yay, we'll chat about that in a second. So welcome aboard, Christina. Thank you so much for having me, Dawn. It's great to be speaking with you this morning. Oh, yeah. So awesome. So I glanced through the book. I've read some of the stories and, and glanced through the book and you know, I, I, I must say there's a couple stories I haven't read, but they will be read soon because th- this is, um, mm-hmm. how would you describe this book? I know how I would describe it. But how would you <laughs> also describe it? <laughs> okay, well, um, it, it's complicated, actually, um, but it's in, in a way it's all very symbiotic and, and it's all connected. Betty Bliss is, is a cross-genre book that includes advice and tips and personal memoir and sexy erotic fiction under one cover that is designed to help couples maintain and sustain their long, lustful relationship. Nice, nice. So, and um, some of us need that. Some of us get stuck in a rut and, and, you know, not sure exactly how to pull ourselves out of it. So, now, Dan and I, you know, we probably have the same rut sometimes. So, but we, we do a lot of sexual 
stuff. So we try to keep ourselves on track. But <laughs> anyway, I was noticing that um, you were talking about in one of the little chapters here that if you're looking for sex advice or how to keep your relationship going or how to start it, but it's usually for like 20-year-olds. You know, I'm late 40s now. There's not much out there for me. So it's, it's uh, very, very true. Yes. So breath I am. I, I'm actually in my mid 40s, and I've been married for uh, this. This show will be 24 years that we've been married, awesome. and we have two young children. We kind of had the kids late in life, so we have a two year old and a four year old. So we were in this weird place in in our lives of being solidly stuck in middle age, and we have little children, so we don't really have a peer group necessarily of you know, people our own age who are who are married to their first spouse, who have young children, that sort of thing. And in the course of my own personal erotica writing, I've run across a lot of couples who are happily married, have been happily married for 10 years or 15 years, over 20 years in some cases. And they all say the same thing. Now, a lot of their erotica that they're reading and are being asked to write tends to deal with younger characters, younger couples, or people who are just meeting each other, and it's all about, in, in the rom- romantic comedies, it's all about the 20-somethings who are meeting in the bar and hooking up and the misunderstandings, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the movie, it's, you know, happily ever after, and maybe there's a wedding. But they never show us what happens after the wedding. They never show us what happens in five years when they're having children, unless it's something like um, This is 40, which was, was a comedy, but it, it also dealt with, you know, the horrible things that seem to happen in these movies and, and, and fiction that we're reading about um, older couples who have lost contact with each other, have lost touch with, with their sexual relationship. And that isn't the norm. I, I, I see it and I read it, but a lot of people don't realize that there are plenty of people, even with the divorce rate being what it is, there are plenty of couples who are still married to their, you know, their first spouse, and they're having happy relationships with each other, and they're very much in love still, and they're very much in lust with each other. And so this is a book that was intended to address the people that they're dealing with. This is not a book for a, a couple who are on the edge of divorce or the couple who's dealing with, you know, infidelity or any serious issues in the relationship. This is for the couple who's already there. They're they're steady, strong, headed toward the future, headed toward the forever that they promised each other. But hey, maybe they've hit a speed bump here or there. Maybe they're just frustrated with the fact that they seem to be alone in the world and and they're not. They're very much um, part of a huge group of of a, a huge community of people that are very much together and committed toward their future. And so I wanted to put something out into the world that will represent not only my marriage, but the marriages of other people that I've seen in, and long, not even just marriages, but long-term relationships where people are very much committed to each other. And so I, I talked to several authors that I knew, all of whom are in their own long-term relationships. And so this is a book with a dozen authors in relationships ranging from five years to over 30 years, sharing their experiences, sharing their erotic fiction, giving tips on particular issues in their relationship that they might have dealt with, how to handle children when they come along, how to handle when you hit that mid-age point where you're dealing with health and and older parents and teenagers in the house and that sort of thing, financial issues that might detract from the personal relationship. So it's really a book for couples through all stages of their marriage or relationship through the beginning days right after the honeymoon stage where they're really settled. This is it. The wedding is over. The party has 
past, we're now married, we're committed, now what? All the way to the golden years of rocking on the front porch together and, and you know, reminiscing about life, but still very active sexually, still very attracted to each other, still very committed to each other. Nice. See, I like all of this because, you know, for for one, you're right, the media shows that it's all younger people having the sex. You really don't have it like in the 40s or, or, or even later unless it's on a comedy show where people are laughing about it. So right. It, it becomes a point of humor if older people right. are having sex or even talking about the relationship. It's always the complaints about what he does or how we haven't had sex in years. And, and, and mm-hmm. that's how older couples are portrayed or long-term relationships are portrayed. And it doesn't even have to be people in their 40s. Even people in their early 30s are often seen as, well, you're no longer in the dating scene or you're no longer you know, viable as somebody that's you know, going to the clubs and hooking up and that sort of thing. So your story isn't important. And that's not true. It's still very important. In fact, it's a terrific role model for the people who are a decade behind or you know, whatever to say, hey, look, this is something to strive for. Eventually, we all grow up, hopefully. We all grow up, and we all want someone to share our lives with. Right. And, you know, it's just amazing to me. Sometimes because the, the media tells me that because I have a healthy sex life at my age, that something, it feels like something may actually be wrong. So when I, share, when I have friends that come to me and tell me that, that their sex life is kind of rocky, I almost feel guilty for sharing <laughs> how well ours is going. But, you know, so I'm glad. And you shouldn't feel guilty because I think it's no. important. What's what's rocky about a relationship is often the fact that they feel like I should be looking for something better. I should be um, wanting somebody different. And the truth is the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greenest where you water it and where you put your time and your attention into growing it. And people... Mm-hmm swap one spouse for another spouse or one partner for another partner thinking, oh, it's going to be better, oh, it's going to be different. And all the issues and all the baggage you had from the first relationship simply go with you to the next relationship and then they find out, oh, wait, this, is, this isn't what I thought it was going to be and it's not better and it's not more special and I'm still dealing with the same stuff I was dealing with the last time where I couldn't communicate my needs and my desires with the first spouse and, okay, maybe I'll move on to somebody else. And there, there is a reason that, you know, second marriages have a higher divorce rate than first marriages, and I think it's because of the disillusionment that whatever was wrong in the first marriage won't be repeated in the second one. And the truth is it takes two people to make it work, and you're half of that equation. So if you go into the next relationship without working on you and figuring out what it is you want and how to communicate that, you're still going to have problems. Yep. Now, and I do want to put out there, though, that sometimes second marriages can work if you – realize that going in. Dan and I... Is a oh, absolutely, are, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to suggest that, you know, second marriages are doomed, but I think it's important that you you have to reconcile whatever the issues were with the first relationship. And a lot of times it's super right. simple. It's the fact that people get married too young thinking that's what they're supposed to want, and it takes mm-hmm. a while to figure out who they really are, and they can go into a second relationship having discovered their own needs and desires and being able to figure out how to communicate that to a, a partner and it is a successful relationship, but hopefully you don't repeat the same mistakes that you've already made because you've discovered what it is you need and want. Right. So, and that's what Deanne and I did. We went into the, our, our marriage together with intent and purpose, and, you know, so that was different than our, our first marriages. So you, you, had, learned, you had learned from your first experience. 
Exactly. And didn't want to do it again. <laughs> um, so <laughs> some of the things in the book that, you know, there's a couple of things that I really want to put, point out. And um, one of the things that you mentioned just a little bit ago was that there's something in here about, you know, how to handle your sex life when there's children around. You said you have the two-year-old and the four-year-old. Yes. But um, some of us, um, not me and Dan particularly, but we have friends that are dealing with, you know, having parents live at home now. You know? Right, and, and yes. People forget that the original couple <laughs> that is moving in the parent, you know, still need to keep a healthy sex life or it's going to become all about the children at home, the teenagers at home, the, the parents at home. I mean, Dan and I, gasp, we used to hit a swing club just so we could have time away from the teenagers at home. You know, we didn't even hook up with anybody else. We just wanted something out of the house. <laughs> right, right. Well, it is important, and, and that is the problem with a lot of, um, and it's not even necessarily a problem. Life interferes. I mean, that is, that's a fact of life. You you get married, and you're totally focused on each other, and then the focus shifts because you have careers, you have children, you mm-hmm. have you know, aging parents who will require something from you, whether it's, you know, extra care or a place to live or whatever the situation may be. And it's important to always remember that the center of your family is you and your partner. It is not the children, it is not your parents, and it's not your career. The center, in order to maintain that center, you have to reestablish the focus on each other. And I know that can be difficult. I've certainly experienced it. My husband is in the Navy, and, you know, we're a career Navy family, so we've been separated for six and eight months at a stretch, you know, many times. And so there's always that I'm building my own life while he's on the other side of the world, literally. And when he returns, it's that, okay, I have to redirect my focus back into the relationship. I, I need to remember that I'm not single. There, you know, there is somebody else here who is my partner, and it's very much a give-take relationship. And that comes into play certainly when you have children or teenagers or parents living in the home. And it's all about establishing your boundaries of we will give to you what we can give to you. We will take care of our responsibilities, but Somewhere in there, whether it's at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or however you work it, you have to look to each other and find that connection. And it's it's an ongoing thing. It can't. It's you know constant maintenance. I kind of think of it as it's not the once a year, you know, the big house cleaning once a year. It's the daily things that you do in your house that keeps your house a home. It's not the end of the year or the spring cleaning or whatever. Those are necessary too and certainly that can be the equivalent of the you know the trip away if you can get away. But the daily stuff, spending an hour at the end of the day talking about what you did, um, reconnecting you know emotionally as well as physically, scheduling the date night for Friday night. And people don't like to talk about scheduling sex, but when you think about it, you schedule everything else in your life from oil mm-hmm. changes to PTA meetings to doctor's appointments, and those are all important. So is sex. Sex is very important. So scheduling it, even if it's not what you're going to do, but so much as this is the time we're blocking out for ourselves and if sex happens, great. You'll find out it does happen more often the more often you schedule it, but that is an important, as just as important as getting your yearly mammogram, as, you know, making sure the kids have new school clothes before school starts in the fall. It's very important, and it's one of those aspects 
of a relationship that tends to fall by the wayside. We'll get to it when we get to it. And just like a house, you keep saying that about your roof, we'll get to it when we get to it. Eventually, your roof will cost you a lot more than if you had just maintained it. And so the same can be said of your personal life or your relationship with your partner. It will cost you a lot more in the long run, whether it's, you know, in terms of, marital counseling or talking about divorce or just, you know, the fights that ensue when people get disconnected and feel like their needs aren't being met. So exactly, exactly. All important stuff. So, and I'm liking um, how you've split up the stories with different suggestions. So I, I want to uh, go over a couple of suggestions because I find a couple that are cute and a couple that we're already doing. And then I want to ask you about one. <laughs> so okay. we've got keep a jar of memories. Throughout the year, write down your favorite romantic, sexy, tender moments. Reread them together whenever you need a reminder. So, and this would be really good for me and Dan because we do so much that sometimes we forget, or if we get in a rut, we forget how positive things are that have already happened and things like that. So I love that idea of writing it down and throwing it in a jar because i got a feeling that jar is going to fill up. Well, certainly, and we tend we tend to forget we tend to forget the good memories over the course of the year. I I read somewhere that you can have ten positive things happen and one negative thing happen, and it's the one negative thing that somehow becomes most important, and you forget everything that came before. And I, I I did kind of steal that idea about the memory jar because I'd seen people posting you know ideas for the new year or whatever, and I thought, well, why can't you do that? between each other and share it together. It was, it was supposed to be like a family uh, kind of idea or whatever. And I thought, well, how cool is that? Because I, I tend to write everything down. I'm a writer, but I also have a you know short memory because I don't get enough sleep. So I tend to write everything down. And so I have a date book full of everything that I've done, you know, through the year, whether it's movies or lunch or interviews or whatever. And so I always go through it at the end of the year and say, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, that's right. I went there. Oh, yeah, right. We got together and whatever. And so I thought, well, what a great idea for a couple to be able to say individually, well, this memory means a lot to me. I'm going to write it down and put it in the jar. And at the end of the year, re-evaluating or re-experiencing those, those memories together and finding out not only, you know, what's important to your partner, but reminding yourself of those times that, you know, really kind of carries you through the year. And so I just thought it would be such a fun thing for couples to do, just to remember, hey, remember where you came from, you know, and as you go into the next year or the next season or whatever it is, this is something you should focus on or look forward to. Nice, nice. Oh, I think I'm going to incorporate that one. So now here's (laughs) one that we do do. We do do. (laughs) Create a sexual bucket list together and talk about it. Ah. and any new interest as you work your way through it. That's one that Dan and I actually do. We actually have a bucket list of like 10 things that we still want to do. So, awesome. and, and we're, That's fantastic. Yeah, well, we, we work on it and we talk about it, but we're not in a super hurry to get it all done because we have time or, or sure. our perception is that we have time <laughs> and we don't want to do it all too fast. <laughs> Because we want, right. you know, we plan on spending our whole lives together. So, right. you know, we've got time to make it happen and we can still talk about it. So so there's one. But there is another one that I want to ask them about. And I'm trying to find it and I probably won't be able to find it. So let me ask off the top of my head. Okay. You have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of people that have small kids. And 
they have to figure out how to do things when the kids are asleep. Mm-hmm. So you bring up playing naked candy land when the kids are asleep <laughs> or hungry, hungry hippo or something like that. So how do you done that, Christina? <laughs> well, my kids are still a little young for, for games like that, but it, it was the, the idea is there. It's about the playfulness of your relationship. It's about not taking everything so seriously. Having very young children takes a lot out of you. There's There's not a lot left at the end of the day. And you can either fight it or you can embrace it and find ways to work with it. And my experience has been finding a matchbox car, a Hot Wheels car in your bed when you're all you want to do is to get into that bed for whatever reason can be very distracting. It can also be painful. But you take that same little Hot Wheels car that feels so very cold and hard pressed against your hip when you're trying to, you know, get into bed and you find other ways, creative ways to Make it fun, make it playful, whether it's, you know, running the car over your body parts and finding out what the response is, <laughs> whatever it is. And the idea behind the Naked Candyland and, and the Hungry, Hungry Hippo music, you know, you, I, I came into having children after 19 years of marriage and saying, my bedroom is going to be my sanctuary. And, you know, I still joke about it. That's my word, sanctuary. This is my place. This is my rest spot. This is my sexual spot. But you know what? Once you have kids, there's no place in the house that's off limits for children's toys. They end up in your floor, your bed, your closet, whatever. The kids take over the house. And so you're never completely oblivious to the fact that there are young children in the house. And so you'll end up locking the door, stepping over the Legos, finding your partner and saying, okay, we're going to make the best of what we have at this moment and reminding yourselves all the time they're only little for a little while. They will outgrow this stage. They will sleep through the night. They will get their own interests. They will grow up and not want you 24-7, and you will return to the couple you once were, older and wiser and a little more battered Mm -hmm. because you've run over uh, so many Legos, but you will get back to where you were. And so it's... There's a lot of couples who have children early in the relationship and lose sight of each other, not realizing that this is temporary. Just like every stage of your marriage is, is it can last for years and seems like it's lasting forever, but it is a you know it's a temporary place in your world of not having time for each other, not having the energy that you once had, or not having the body you used to have. Although that one really tends to be permanent, it just kind of declines as you get older but that's okay because it's all about it's all about your imagination it's all about your desire it's all about wanting to be together and work through it together and so yeah I I think being playful when you're exhausted or being lighthearted when you've been you know just constantly running all day long with two little ones I think that is the best way to handle um, the emotional toll that it can take on you and if it mm-hmm. takes playing a game, if it takes just embracing those children's toys and making the most of them and bringing them into your own, you know, playful mood, then, hey, why not, you know? Why not? So, indeed. I like that whole idea. So, <laughs> so I'm, only, I'm only a little bit older than you, and I, so just advice-wise, I did have my kids very young. They are up and grown and out of the house. You are right. It does get better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't even say better. I mean, I I love this stage that they're in. I love these preschool years. I love that they want to hold my hand and 
snuggle with me at mm, 5.30 in the morning. That's wonderful. But there is that part of me that longs for the independence and, and the person I was before I had children. And I have to right. remember that I'm still there. It's all still there. It's just kind of in a long sleep right now. And so it will right. come back. But there are times where I can pull it out and and be that person again, even if it's only for a couple of hours or, you know, a weekend or whatever. And I can re-embrace the person that I am, that independent nature. So awesome, awesome. All right, Christina. Well, we are talking to Christina Wright, the author of Bedded Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Lust Ever After. So I like to say I just love the style of this book. It's a lot of short erotic stories, a lot of hints in between about, you know, between the chapters about what you can do to stay in, in touch with your lust for each other. So it's a, it's a great read. And like I, said, I just like the way the, the short stories are short so you can take it in little bites. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us, Christina. If anybody wants to find your book, how would they find it? Well, um, my publisher is Cleus Press, and that's C-L-E-I-S Press.com. You can certainly mm-hmm. find all of my backlist there as well as Betty Bliss. It's also available on Amazon.com, of course. Everything is found on Amazon. You can also <laughs> find it at Barnes & Noble or your local bookseller, depending on what their um, what their stock is with regard to erotica or self-help sexuality. Um, I've certainly found it in a few places here in Virginia. So it's, nice. it's out there in the world. I also have a website, ChristinaWright.com. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-W-R-I-G-H-T.com where I put out uh, information about the books that I've released as well as future books that are coming. And as I said, I am primarily an erotica writer, so Better Bliss was a different turn for me. So if you are looking for inspiration or uh, encouraging your imagination, I certainly suggest you take a look at other anthologies I have published. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Christina. So I will let you get back to the children. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Dawn. I appreciate it. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show and its educational branch, the Monkey Puzzle Club. Monkey Puzzle Club! <laughs> Bringing you quality BDSM presentations and kink parties from local and nationwide kink presenters. Join Guilty Pleasures in the Monkey Puzzle Club each month for Fetish Foreplay Friday. Get some hot and horny action for Valentine's Day, February 14th, during the Art of the Strip Tease, taught by Val of Infinity Ariel. Located in Club Princeton in Columbus, Ohio. Fetish Foreplay Fridays provides new and engaging kink classes, followed by a BDSM-themed play party. Come out and experience kink and community in this laid-back erotic events. Classes start at 8 p.m. with a play party immediately following... You can, you can also catch the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show at Circus Bar in Columbus, Ohio on February 28th. The Monkey Puzzle Club meets every Wednesday at The Room at the Columbus Insight Center for cutting-edge kink classes brought to you by novice presenters and seasoned BDSM educators alike. Classes start at 8 p.m., immediately followed by hands-on guided practice sessions with members of the GP and NPC crews. Follow us on Twitter at Monkey Puzzle Club OH or search for the Monkey Puzzle Club and look for our curious monkey logo. You can follow Guilty Pleasures and Monkey Puzzle Club on Fellive.com for all announcements and discussions. Woohoo! <laughs> Bye, Dan. Bye, Don. Bye, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs>